1: Good Saturday Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor program on AM nine fifty WROL, the Spirit of Boston. My name is John Paul, the Car Doctor here to help you on this. Uh, I guess technically Thanksgiving weekend. You can call it that. Uh, it is one of those uh, one of those weekends that uh, starts on Wednesday and kind of ends on. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday travel days at Logan Airport today. Travel is supposed to be uh, on Sunday is supposed to be the heaviest travel day ever predicted at Logan. So if you are coming or going out of Logan Airport on Sunday, good luck.
2: And with the storm coming,
1: yeah, with the storm coming, it's not, not getting, getting any, it's <laughs> not getting any better. So uh, so good luck, good luck with that if you're uh, if you are in fact heading out. Uh, hopefully. Hopefully you'll be okay. Huh? I just realized a problem. We have we have a guest that's supposed to be calling in, and uh, the hotline number they gave is my home phone number. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, can, so can she you won't be. Can you call that guy, Zach? I can And try to sell.
2: See if he's available. See if
1: he's available to give the other person the studio number. Certainly
2: will. (laughs) Ah,
1: goodness. Ah, goodness, goodness, goodness. Because, uh, huh. How about that? Uh, so back to, back to holiday, back to holiday travel. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, across, uh, Massachusetts here there's about a million people are going to be traveling for the holiday and uh, here here in uh, kind of rest of New England I think it's up to about two million people but yeah at uh, Logan Airport it's about two and a half million people are going to be traveling in and out of the airport just on Sunday uh, parking is already a problem and there is a storm and I saw that some of the some of the um weather related issues have already caused cancellations with some of the flights so there's been there's been some uh there's been some problems already so hopefully if you're going anywhere on sunday you know check use all the technology you have use uh all the apps to check on your flights and all kinds of things and and see how see how you're doing well somebody wrote to me the other day and asked me about what i thought about some of these new diesel engines in uh in some vehicles today and over the last couple weeks, I've had the opportunity to test drive a couple of different diesels. Uh, one is the Jeep Wrangler diesel, and the other is the uh, the Ram fifteen hundred diesel. And they're both pretty amazing vehicles. In fact, the um, the diesel engine, the diesel engine that uh, is in the Jeep, is a pretty good. A pretty good diesel engine, and I mean it's a fantastic diesel engine. Off road, it just uh, performs all kinds of all kinds of uh, uh, torque, and just works really works works really well. So uh, it's just it's it. But what really surprised me was in the Ram pickup truck, I got on, I got on the Ram pickup truck, got in the Ram pickup truck, started it up, it fired right up. I didn't even realize it was a diesel all right then so the magic has happened somehow i guess so uh with with us on the phone is kyle suba she is from uh general motors she's the east coast communications manager for chevrolet and uh there is a program coming coming up in the next week or so called Wreaths Across America, which uh, General Motors and Chevrolet is supporting. Kyle, good morning, and welcome to the Car Doctor program here in Boston. Kyle, Kyle, good morning, and welcome to the Car Doctor program here in Boston. Kyle. Good
3: morning. Thank Good m- you so much for having me. Oh, uh, there we
1: go. There we go. Uh, a little bit of a delay there. Yeah, I uh, Chevrolet and General Motors are sponsoring Wreaths Across America. Can you give us a give us a little bit of an understanding what what that's all about?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're uh, at Chevy. We're so honored to support Wreaths Across America for what is now the fifth year in a row. Um, Reese Across America is, is an amazing not for profit organization um that has the goal of supporting families who have lost loved ones, uh who have fallen serving our country. So real heroes. Uh, to honor them, they coordinate replaying ceremonies uh, across the country at over six uh sixteen hundred locations across the United States in all fifty states and even beyond. So it's really an honor for us to be involved again for, for five years.
1: And um... How, how, does, how does Chevrolet, how, how, does, uh, how does it all work other than, um, you know, getting, getting it all to happen? But can you give us a little bit of an explanation about um, how Chevrolet is actually really tied into this?
3: Sure, absolutely. So um, there are a number of different reef ceremonies that are happening uh, during a week-long escort to Arlington, which is a convoy of vehicles that will start in Maine. Uh, next Saturday, December seventh, and end in Arlington National Cemetery. Uh, they'll stop at a number of uh, locations, cemeteries, and dealerships along the way, um, and engage with the local community to celebrate local fallen heroes, lay wreaths on the the graves of of those local heroes. Um, and and Chevrolet will be providing a number of vehicles uh, to help support that convoy. Um, there'll be Gold Star families that are involved um, traveling from uh, from. Uh, Maine to Arlington, and and Chevrolet will provide five Suburbans, five Tahoes, and a military tribute Camaro uh, to help make the journey a little bit easier for for these amazing folks.
4: Yeah, it
1: it it really is. I uh, I remember seeing a video of it last year, and it was it was a very impressive event. And if people want to actually sponsor a wreath, they can actually do that too, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the goal for Wreaths Across America is to lay one point eight million wreaths on the graves of fallen heroes across the country this year uh, which is an amazing and amazing feat um, and, and if folks want to get involved they can do so in a number of ways uh, they can uh, donate uh, to sponsor a wreath uh, they can attend one of these wreath-laying ceremonies and physically be a part of the wreath-laying ceremony itself um, or uh, they can uh, become a volunteer uh, to help um, coordinate a group of folks to to get a wreath-laying ceremony started in their local community. They can learn all about all of these options as well as learn more about Wreaths Across America and Chevrolet's small contribution to this really important event at www.wreathsacrossamerica.org.
1: And, uh, again, it's... Uh... It's wreathsacrossamerica.org is how you find out more information about it. And I was just reading about it, and and one of the one of the paragraphs that really kind of got to me is it says why we do it, and it says we understand we have veterans in the fall, Veterans Day in the fall, and Memorial Day in the spring, but our service members sacrifice your time and safety every single day of the year to preserve our freedoms. And this is the part that kind of got to me. In many homes, there's an empty seat for one who's serving or one who made the ultimate sacrifice for our country. And this is really, this is really uh, a tribute and recognizing uh, these heroes that are out there who didn't make it back or um, are just out there, just out there every day protecting us.
3: Absolutely. The, the goal of the organization is to spread the message, remember, honor, teach. So remember our fallen heroes, Honor those who have served, and teach our children about the sacrifices made by veterans. Because you're absolutely right, across many tables, um, uh, in, across the United States, there there is an empty seat uh, because somebody has made the ultimate sacrifice so that we can all um, enjoy the lives that we have today. Uh, it's hugely important uh, the sacrifice that they've made, and um, it's wonderful that an organization like Reese Across America is doing their part to celebrate uh, this. this this enormous sacrifice every single day and making sure that we remember it into the future. It's of the utmost importance.
1: Yeah. And I think here in new England, uh, there's going to be a wreath laying ceremonies. Is it next week or the week after?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, they'll be in the Boston Metro area, uh, as part of the escort to Arlington on Monday, December 9th and Tuesday, December 10th uh, on December 9th, they'll be at the Thomas Prince school in Princeton, Massachusetts, at 4.30 p.m., and on December 10th, they'll be at the Alfred M. Chafee School in Oxford, Massachusetts at 9 o'clock a.m. You can find a full schedule of events as well as the full list of ways to get involved um, at www.reeseacrossamerica.org.
1: Yeah, it again it's really it's really something as we enter the holiday season to re- really take a minute and remember a little bit of you know what everybody everybody's going through I mean this is this is something that has affected an awful lot of people and it's um really great to see Chevrolet uh, stepping up and helping out and and, and you said in uh, you know, Chevrolet's small part in this, and it's it's actually more than a small part. I mean, it's more than just the vehicles; it's the support and the sponsorship, and uh, uh, which really makes okay. it really makes it special. And Chevrolet should be congratulated for that.
3: Oh, thank you very much. That's lovely for you to say. We're happy to uh, to play play a small role. We're looking forward to providing 4,000 4, wreaths. Uh, toward the escort to Arlington as well as the, the vehicles uh, we know that it's such an important uh, an imp- important cause for for all of us across the country and in local communities everywhere so uh, we're really thrilled to to be able to do what we can to support
1: yeah it, it really is and before I let you go I have to I have to ask one question that uh, I, I happen to notice I, I, when I was uh, doing a little bit of research yesterday is it true you're a part-time beekeeper
3: Wow, you really do your research on this show. I am. I'm a part-time apiarist, yes. Yep, for about three years now. It's, um, it's one of my proudest hobbies.
1: There, there you go. All right. Hey, Kyle, thanks for taking some time out of your Saturday morning, joining us up here in Boston and telling us about this. And again, the website is wreathsacrossamerica.org, and again, Chevrolet is a sponsor of it. And uh, and the other thing, we had one of your co-workers uh, on last week. Uh, congratulations on the uh, new Corvette being the Motor Trend Car of the Year.
3: Oh, wonderful! Thank you so much, and thank you very much for for your time today. It means so much that you're spreading the message for an amazing organization like Reese across America. We're proud to be a part of it, and we're we're very much looking forward to being in the New England area on uh, on December ninth and tenth. All
1: right, Kyle. Thank you, and and have a great uh, rest of the Thanksgiving weekend.
3: Wonderful. Thank you. You yep. too.
1: Bye bye. Our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Uh, or you
2: can call my home number but <laughs>
1: I'm not there. Yeah, no.
2: Yeah. I don't know how they actually got on cuz I left a message and as I was hanging leaving the message that call started coming in so they must have didn't must have figured out they something. made a mistake or yeah. something. Yeah. Well, and it's not uh, when I record
1: at home, which I
2: sometimes do.
1: It's a secret. Sometimes I pretend it's live.
2: The magic of radio. Yeah.
1: And, uh,
2: and, it's, uh, and,
1: and that's the number I use because it's the only number I have. And so that's, that's my home number. Not my cell phone number. It's my home number, and that's how it works. Oh, you if you would a like a to Google join number. us to talk about cars and car problems, what? You can get a Google number. Um, I do have one. And actually, I was thinking of that for another purpose. But I do actually
2: have a Google Florida number. Okay. And if you have, oh, do you have Verizon or Comcast at home? Uh, Verizon FiOS. I don't know if they do it, but in Comcast you can actually get a secondary number where people can call into that number and never give out your home phone number if you don't want to. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think I don't think FiOS does it. Not that I'm trying to promote anything because I don't like Comcast, but that's okay. Yeah, I, <sighs> I've heard you say that before, even <laughs> though you worked there for a while, for like four months. Yeah. Yeah, it was not your favorite place to work. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I, was, I was mentioning the uh, diesel engine and the Wrangler and how good it works, and there was an article that, um, that uh, it says Wrangler Diesel Ancestry goes back to the 1960s. Uh, with the Jeep Wrangler Eco Diesel due out by the end of the year, well, I guess I drove it a little bit early, the new generation of off-roaders can experience torque boost in their rugged adventure vehicles. It will be the first diesel for the Wrangler since the nameplate debuted in 1986. But the model's diesel ancestry goes back more than five decades. One of the Wrangler's forefathers, the CJ5, had a diesel option in the 1960s. Kevin Mertz, the Wrangler senior brand manager, said it was available from 1961 to 1968 with a Perkins four-cylinder that got a whopping 143 foot-pounds of torque. I'm not sure what they were aiming at with the diesel. Said uh patrick foster a jeep historian who said the cj6 also had that option i tend to think it was uh like either construction or agriculture because the diesel pasture car market in the u.s was so tiny back then i tend to think most of it went overseas europe maybe it worked as postal vehicles foster also recalls a military jeep from that era with a uh three-cylinder engine foster said those models can be found sometimes at enthusiast show foster said the civilian jeeps uh never proved very popular in the u.s in the market in the 1970s uh american motors reintroduced the diesel for overseas view versions in the cj series they were built in toledo just toledo seems like an odd place to build stuff to me i don't know why um and they were, they were an interesting thing. They were all manufactured in Toledo, but they are all shipped overseas. Some of the other Jeep nameplates in the U.S. have dabbled with diesel options over the years. The Liberty offered a 2.6-liter turbocharged common-rail diesel from 2005 to 2006. That was awful, by the way. Um, early in the decade, the Eco Diesel V6 had a uh, controversial run in the Grand Cherokee, and due to an emissions cheating scandal, there was an issue. Actually, that wasn't a bad vehicle. In fact, when we were in Florida a couple weeks ago, there was a used one for sale, and it was a Grand Cherokee with the diesel in it. And it was, compared to other Grand Cherokees, it was very reasonably priced because I'm sure most people went, why do I want a diesel? Um, It's been something people have been asking for us for decades. uh, Since the launch of the redesigned Wrangler in 18, it's been one of the most highly anticipated features. I wonder if people really... I always hear that, you know, oh, you know, I can't wait for this pickup truck, the light-duty pickup truck to have a diesel, and then you just never see too many people buy them. But I have to admit, the torque from the diesel in the Wrangler, uh, for people who are actually going to use a Wrangler and go off-road, when you're in those slow-moving situations with big rocks and boulders and tree limbs and stuff in the way, this diesel engine is going to be great for that because it's just going to have that sort of instant torque to get you um, up over it, but very controlled feeling. And uh, the, uh, like I said, the diesel Ram pickup truck and the the uh, the Ram pickup is one of, in my opinion, one of the nicest pickup trucks on the market. It is quiet, nice interior, uh, short quiet bit. on
2: the inside.
1: It's pretty quiet on the outside too. I had two automotive enthusiasts. I started it up, and they were like, this is a diesel? It's louder than my, it's, my gas car is louder than this.
2: Because I was next to, what year diesel was, what was the one you talking about? It was a 2020. Okay, maybe, I haven't heard the scene of 2020. Yeah, But I just, there was one, I think it was a 2018 diesel Ram pickup truck. I was filling up, and it was filling, oh my God, it was the noisiest. Yeah. It was, I thought there was a Mack truck next to me. Yeah. Well, that has the, was probably a one-ton truck with the big engine in it. Yeah, it's definitely uh, a one-ton yeah. truck. Yeah, this
1: is a half-ton truck. Um, and it's... Uh, in fact, I had somebody, somebody in it yesterday, and I started it up, and uh, he's like, it's a diesel? And it was... Um, but he was surprised, too, and he's like, wow. And driving it down the street, never even really know. And... Older, anybody who's ever driven an older diesel, whether it's an older Volkswagen or something, on a cold morning like today, you get in it, you turn the key, you kind of have to wait for the glow plugs to get hot uh, before it fires up. In some cases, that could be 15 or 20 seconds. This car's got push-button start, you get in it. This morning, it maybe hesitated maybe a half a second, maybe. Pretty phenomenal vehicle, so... Another article in the paper about the Jeep Wrangler eco diesel it says mainstream or niche fuel economy power could attract shoppers not familiar with diesels fuel economy fuel economy is interesting because the fuel economy is one of those things with the diesel that when you make it work hard the fuel economy doesn't drop off like a gasoline engine will when it works hard it tends to use more gas diesel engines stay pretty consistent and that's why people like them Um, this pickup truck although i have to admit is averaging 22 to 24 miles per gallon which is pretty impressive Uh, the jeep wrangler with the eco diesel in it about the same now i think with the v6 engine in the diesel you're probably kind of close to that anyway and there is I don't know the price on the diesel engine in the Ram truck, but in the Wrangler, it's a four thousand dollar option. So for four thousand dollars, you're gonna pay a dollar well, not quite sixty cents more per gallon for gas. You're gonna get better fuel economy. It's gonna take a while before the numbers offset each other. So you have to want it you have to want it for a particular reason. And like it says here, uh, there's a batch of consumers who've been Clamoring for a diesel-powered Wrangler for a long time, we'll go on with the same same story, um, but it says the three-liter Eco Diesel V6 is expected uh, to go into production by the end of this year, and diesel enthusiasts will be pleased with as Jeep moves the Wrangler onto this niche segment, um, but we'll. But will the brand satisfy with only selling a few units, or can it broaden its base? Well, they broaden its base because they're going over to that. Uh, we've done quite a bit to make sure it is quiet as possible and as comfortable as possible on the road without compromising ride. Uh, the chief engineer of Wrangler and Gladiator told Automotive News this could easily be an everyday driver. Well, I hope if you're spending that kind of money for a vehicle, it can be. To keep the engine noise outside the vehicle, engineers added new acoustic package to the engine box they also use the unique spring and shock um, tuning they will make up for the little bit of extra weight i guess so interesting to see Have you seen the commercials for carvana the car dealership that doesn't really have a dealership it has the giant vending machine in orlando
2: oh okay so it does yeah. really exist
1: it really does we drove by it it's a giant vending machine kind of stupid but it's a giant vending machine but uh, apparently the online retailer Carvana is posting big gains in vehicle sales and ex- is expanding its market presence at a pretty rapid rate it's kind of funny it's they've had some ads in the paper or someplace can't say it's a paper because who reads papers that much anymore but uh, but people who who read papers and it says uh, they're looking for drivers to deliver vehicles and it says how would you like this to be your office Sunday and Monday, Tuesday, probably not as much. But uh, but it's, it's uh, it goes on to say, but uh, on a, the... uh says, we've highlighted uh, something else in... We're especially proud of the number of vehicles Carvana buys from consumers more than tripled on an annual basis in the third quarter. Um, the uh, person in charge, Garcia, praised the annual improvement in the rate of growth for measurement for the second quarter... To the third, at 40%, we view this progress we are seeing in buying cars from our customers as a significant improvement to our platform. Garcia told investors that after Carvana announced its third quarter results, used car sales fundamentally are simply swaps between different consumers. Well, that's a good way to put it. I mean, they're taking your used car and selling it to me. You're taking my car and selling it to somebody else, depending on where you are in the, the ability to buy a vehicle, I guess. Carvana sourced 31% of the vehicles it retailed in the third quarter from consumers. That's a pretty amazing number. That a third of their vehicles that they sold to regular people came from other regular people. Hmm. That's that's, That's fascinating somehow. That means those are people that have opted not to trade the car in, or they couldn't afford it, And they decided they want to get out of it. It's a big... I would have never thought that that many people would have gone online and said, I have a 2015 Volkswagen convertible, and I want to sell it. What will you give me for it? I wouldn't think that many people would do it, but... You know, CarMax does it. You go to a CarMax, and you can basically... Go bring your car there. If you are trading in your car at CarMax, it's done as a completely separate transaction. So if you want to go buy a car at CarMax and you have a trade-in, they're handled completely separately. And if you decide not to buy the car and you still want to sell your car, they'll buy it. And and when we were looking, we went looking there, and the price was pretty good. I mean, they were they weren't. It didn't. It wasn't like oh, we're only going to give you a hundred dollars for it. No,
2: I've, I've been um. My I helped my wife's aunt buy a car at Carmax. It was a very good experience. We had to go back and forth because she forgot some papers. Um, but it was a very good experience. Yeah. They bought her car. no questions asked. Yeah. they gave her a fair price. yeah. um she could have maybe done a little better on the private market, but if as as like trading it yeah. in for at a regular dealership, yeah. she wouldn't have gotten nearly as much yeah. for it.
1: And the other thing is people have to remember that when you go to trade it in, it does come off the price of the new car so it is going to reduce the sales tax yes so if you're buying say a $10,000 car and you're getting 5,000 for the car you're trading in you're only really only paying the sales tax on the 5,000 right. not on the 10,000 right. so selling it in a private party and then having to deal with you know people that don't show up and you know a lot of uh, shenanigans with checks and all kinds of things, a lot of scammy stuff going on with that sort of stuff. So you have to be a little bit careful when you got to
2: buy went, a vehicle like that. I went a second time with a couple friend of ours that we know because uh, they were looking for a very subcompact car. And there was no pressure. They yep. got to test drive whatever they wanted to test drive and no pressure. And they didn't buy anything from them, but they were like, oh, that was really easy. It took a little while because they had to get the car ready and all yeah. that stuff. But... Yeah, yeah. The the uh, and there are there are you know people that are looking
1: for kind of weird little I mean your friend was looking for a subcompact compact car to park in the city yes um, when I was on vacation the car that I was supposed to rent was about as subcompact as you can get the Chevy Spark that's what they ended up with yep it's a small car I can't get in it yeah I I would like to see you try to get in the back seat no. Um, but when we got to the rental counter they were all out of subcompact so we got the next size up so it was much more comfortable did they charge you for it uh they didn't charge us anything extra except for gas because the because depending where i'm going i don't always take the gas option because part of the deal with the gas option is you got to bring it back empty you know if you bring it back with a half a tank of gas you just you didn't you overpaid even though when you take the gas option they pay you you pay pump price basically for gas if you don't take the gas option and they have to fill it up they charge you some ridiculous you know five dollars a gallon so what everybody tries to do is just before they get to the car rental return they find a gas station to fill up and of course the gas stations next to the airport charge five dollars a gallon because they know they can and uh so a lot of times I'll just try to bring it back on fumes. I'll do the best I can to bring it back with almost no gas in it. And uh, because the gas tank in the Kia Soul that we ended up with was bigger than the gas tank in the Chevy Spark, there was an extra couple bucks for gas. But, and I did. I think I brought it back with an eighth of a tank of gas. So I thought we did okay. But, but at work, for instance, if I rent a car for work, I can never take the gas option. They're like, no, you got to fill up before you return. So,
2: so last time I rented a car was coming back from New York that on that just about a year ago when yep. I, when I was trying to come back from Florida, um, and I took the gas option because I'm like I'm not yeah stopping for gas. I just want to get home, and it worked out really well for me. I I had a full tank of gas got a SUV, yeah. They gave me a full tank gas. I made it home and I still had over a quarter of a tank. Granted it wasn't on fumes, but I didn't have to worry about stopping. You didn't have the to worry about and,
1: and and yeah, you you know, that three gallons that was in there, you gave it back to them. That's seven bucks you're not gonna get back.
2: So no, what? But I didn't have to stop. Right. And that was the important right. part. Right. And also there was one time the reason I asked if they charged you is because there was one time I went I specifically rented a smaller car and I got there, and they're like, "Oh, we're out, um, but we have these mid midsize cars, um, and we're gonna have to char- upcharge you." I'm like, "Wait a second, no, I, I'm, it's not my fault mm. that you're out. I rented it, yeah, and I had a big to do. They had to call corporate, and I ended up actually getting a full size car out of the deal for my inconvenience yeah. for a sub for a a yeah. compact car, right? Yeah.
1: No, the last couple times I've rented cars, I've go over, and they're like. I'm like you're all out of, and they're like, "Oh, just take one of the midsize SUVs." Then I'm like, "Oh, okay," mm-hmm. and uh, and I and I usually when I when I rent, I usually kind of just let price dictate because sometimes a midsize SUV is cheaper than a compact. depends what their depends oh. what they're hustling sometimes. Absolutely. So, so uh, uh, but this time it was the uh, Chevy Spark was the cheapest thing, and I'm like, if they have it, they have it. If they don't, they don't. I don't really care. I mean, the only good thing about the Chevy Spark is it's kind of a hatchback-y kind of wagon thing, mm-hmm. so you can put down the back seat, and if you had to put something of some size in it, you could put you know, rather than like a tiny little four-door sedan. So it does have that little bit of a room option. Since then, I have seen Chevy Sparks everywhere, it seems like.
2: Yeah, um, it's the, the funny thing is, is that couple that I went, they, they saw a Chevy Spark on the lot. Um, I'd never heard of a Chevy Spark before. I never even seen one. Yeah. Even in, when the, the dealer, it's either made in Korea or India. When yeah, I think India. Yeah. Um, and when the guy, the sales guy came out, he's like, "When did we get this? What is this?" <laughs> and um, so I think they kind of fell in love with it there, but they ended up getting a, a new one instead of a yeah. used one. Yeah.
1: No, you can. Uh, it's again, if you're just looking for basic transportation, nothing fancy, easy to park. They don't get stupid gas mileage. They get good gas mileage, but they don't get uh, Honda Fit. For instance, does much better,
2: and it's kind of a similar size. And that's what they almost got, but they yep. kept getting the runaround at the dealership, yep. so they walked out. Yep. And then they went well because people
1: want to buy Honda Fits, and people don't necessarily want to buy Chevy Sparks. Right.
2: Yeah. Well, they also went to a Chevy dealership across the street and like, I want a Chevy Spark, and they're like, a what? Yeah. <laughs> we got a Sonic. <laughs> No, I don't want a Sonic. I want a Spark. And that's kind of
1: what I think GM kind of did a little bit. They had too many subcompacts that they don't make any money on,
2: and they, I don't know. That's a very niche, 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 uh, niche market. The same, the same
1: uh, another article about Carvana says CEO Ernie Garcia repeatedly points out in extreme fragmentation of the used car market, is often cited leading proof uh, proof point that the largest player in the space, Carvana, CarMax has just two percent of the market. So CarMax, which is the largest online retailer, apparently only has two percent of the market. For Garcia, that means the door is wide open for other players, namely the online used car retailer that he co-founded in 2012. Seven years later, Carvana is now a public company and not yet profitable, but it's on pace to sell nearly four million in used vehicles in 2019. And has market capitalization approaching 11 billion. The other entrepreneurs want in on the action. After the first wave of used car startups launched early this decade, more new ventures are arriving, keen on uh, upending different aspects of the market. Yeah. You know, buying a used car, you know, I hate to say it sometimes, but car dealers are sometimes their own worst enemy Mm -hmm. the way they sometimes, like you said, your friends got to run around at the Honda dealer and other places. And I know when I was car shopping and I was going to, I wasn't really going to trade in my Hyundai Santa Fe, but I always give people a chance if they want to give me a decent price. And when I went to go ask about a trade-in, they came back and they said, we'll give you $900 for it. And I said, that sounds a little bit low. And they said, well, that's what it's worth. And I said, well, I'm not so sure. Can you go check on that? And in the time that he went to go check and came back, I did a search on, I think it was IC Cars, and found a car identical to mine with more mileage at one of their own dealerships for $7,000. So I said, well, I understand you have to make money from used car to new. But here's a car for 7000 Well, that one's overpriced. I said, it's at your dealership. Not this one, but it's at your dealership in, I think it was in New Bedford or something. Well, uh, we can only give you this. I'm like, then I'm not going to do business here. Simple enough. So I read something just this morning that said that the Tesla Model 3 in California is almost outselling Toyota Camrys. Toyota's only sold about a thousand more Camrys than Tesla's sold Model 3s. Which, when I see the commercial, and I actually quoted the commercial once about the Chevro- uh, Chevy, Chevrolet, Nissan Leaf, the most popular electric car on the market. Well, how can that be if. if be, and then they go on to say from a major vehicle manufacturer. Correct. Yeah. So. Why don't we take a quick break? My name is John Paul. This is a car doctor. If you want to join us, 617 770 3030. 617 770 3030. Phone lines are open. We'll be right back.
3: Well, I buy you a Chevrolet?
5: I'm going to buy you a Chevrolet. I'm going to buy you. A
1: Welcome back to the Car Doctor program on AM950WROL, the spirit of Austin on this Thanksgiving weekend. It is sort of. It is sort of a. Yeah, if you're not out Christmas shopping. I You know, hopefully if you were thinking about going on Black Friday shopping yesterday and you decided, I don't want to go do that. You went to uh, the Newport Auto Museum, Newport Car Museum, where AAA members got a discount. They had a Black Friday discount at... Uh, at the AAA Car Museum where, uh, AAA Car Museum, Newport Car Museum for AAA members, where they could get a little bit of a discount. So, uh, Our phone number six one seven seven seventy 617-770-3030 617-770-3030 Let's talk to Kevin in Malden.
6: Kevin, good morning. Hi, good morning. Thank you. What yes. can we do for Hello? you? What can we do oh, for hi. you? Yes, good morning. Uh, I have a question. I have an NV200 the Nissan yep. minivan. And, um when I I need to change the oil and the sticker in the window said use Nissan oil in their products is that necessary because I always just go to the jiffy room on my truck and I was wondering if Nissan made an oil no
1: they they they, oil. they they don't make it's an time. oil what what year what year is this thing
6: 2018
1: yeah uh, let me see let me see what uh, if there's any weird specification for the oil because sometimes you'll sometimes you'll run into like um, Volkswagen, for instance, has a very specific rating for their uh, oil in their diesel engines. So it's a a very sp- you know kind of very specific kind of oil that is yeah. available, but it's but it's kind of a pain to find it. So sometimes they'll say the the only one that I'll say that I'll um, that oil I'm not. As concerned about transmission fluid, yeah, sometimes. So that's something that I'll say to people. Well, yeah, you want to make sure you use the you use the right kind of oil for that. But um, but as far as uh, you know, as far as that, um, I don't I don't see anything that says it's a specific kind of oil. I would just as long as you're using the right weight oil, whatever yeah. whatever it calls for. I think you'd be fine.
6: And would you recommend synthetic oil because it's it's a newer model and that's better for the engine? That's I understand anyway. I'm I'm always
1: a fan. It took me a while before I became a fan of synthetic oil. When I used to when I used to work in a garage years ago, I'm like, why do you want to spend the extra money on synthetic oil? Just change it every three or four thousand miles. Then I started yeah. to really see the benefits of synthetic oil. How it how it uh, just the engines start up better, they start up quieter, the oil tends to flow easier. I I've seen some testing done with synthetic oil now at AAA. We did some testing where we measured engine wear with and without synthetic oil. And uh not any big surprises, we found there was less wear and tear. So if you're gonna try to, you know, keep your van for three hundred thousand miles, I'd probably use synthetic oil in it. If you're only gonna keep it for, you know, sixty or seventy thousand miles. You know, it's not it's not quite as big a deal. But if you're gonna if you're gonna try to keep it for a long time and try to minimize the amount of wear, I would try uh I, I would I would maybe switch over. Now the one thing you can't do, I think the uh your your engine on the normal routine says change the oil every five thousand miles. Even though you're using synthetic oil, I wouldn't go any longer than that. Yes. Okay.
6: Yeah. I understand. Yes. And, and Well, I, I thank you for your input. And the only other, I just have one more question. I, I just bought this back in May, and so I haven't experienced the winter. What am I in for? I'm kind of nervous. It, other than put sand in buckets or something, is there anything I can do to, do people slide? I, I spoke to a lot of people with these vans and other vans. There are a lot of them out there, and people tell me it's not really a problem. And I'm a little nervous. No,
1: I, you know, this is, this is the, uh. This is the van that is the you know New York City taxi cab, you know. Oh, okay. So um, you know this is this is this is what this is what they use in New York as a taxi cab. So I wouldn't have you know I wouldn't have any any issues with um, you know the only the only thing you might you might think about is maybe you know think about think about putting snow tires on it. But other than that, I don't I don't know that it would be. Uh, I would be that concerned. In fact, um, in 2017, Nissan actually sent me a um, uh, an NV200 to drive and it was actually painted in um, it was it was painted in taxicab colors, so it was kind of it was kind of, uh, you know, uh, I, I expected to be picking people up in it. Um, but it was it I drove it I drove it through one of the storms we had and I thought it performed fine.
6: Well, I do have news tires I got from Town Fair and there's the snow tire, they're, they're, you know, all weather. All they're weather good. tires? Least, yeah. Yeah, I bought four of them just in September. And and the only thing that I wanted to ask you, I'll be brief. I know you've ever called is When I'm on the highway, especially these last few days or even at other times when it's really windy, the, the van will, like, it know push briefly yep. to the side and, and then it's fine. But it's the heck out of you, kind Oh, of.
1: right, well, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a little box. It's a little lightweight box. That's so, cool. it's going to it's going to act a little bit like a sail. So, it is going to blow around a little bit. So, that's not all that unusual in fact I was driving something not that long ago that was kind of doing the same thing it's you know big flat sides and you know we've had some we've had yeah. some 50 and 60 degree gusts of wind lately so it's not that unusual so yeah you know both both hands on the wheel on those windy days and especially in places where all of a sudden it goes from blocking the wind to an open area out on the highway where the wind can whistle through there
6: Yes, but yeah. it. Can change it. I mean, so I don't have to worry about it. it's not going to blow me over the side. Uh, right?
1: You know, I, I, unless the, unless you're unless you're going through ninety mile an hour winds, I think you're going to be fine.
6: Well, but, I always try to slow down when when it's windy, and I I just make sure that I don't go over sixty or sixty five. So yeah, I, I, I
1: think slow. I think you'll be fine. It's just it will you know it will buffet you around a little bit. You see, you know, you even see the same thing with the tractor trailer. Sometimes the wind can catch a trailer just right and you know get it to wiggle around a little bit. And as long as you stay. In control, you should be fine. So, your all season tires will help. You know, don't, you know, as far as putting extra weight in the vehicle, you know, it's a front wheel drive vehicle. So, you know, you put weight in the back, all it's going to do is get the front end to get lighter so i would just try it you know try it and take it easy and like all you know all first trips out in the snow you know go nice and easy nice and slow and make sure you leave plenty of room between you and the cars around you especially the car in front of you and make sure you scan the roadway and look way down ahead just in case something does happen you're prepared for it but uh you know it is it is a it's still a a compact lightweight vehicle so is it going to be as good as a you know one ton truck no it's not going to be as good but with good tires on it uh all season yeah. tires will give you about 70 percent of the traction as a good winter tire will uh so is it going to be as good as having real winter tires on there not really but it's going to be pretty good so i just give it a try and see how it acts and
6: it is front wheel drive yep. people
1: yeah people are that yeah it's oh front-wheel. I, I hear- yeah it's got it's got a regular transaxle in the front so
6: well, I just wanted to say uh, I hope you have a good Thanksgiving yep. and have a nice Christmas season. And I, lo- I love your show. Thank oh, you. Thanks okay. Thanks, Kevin. Well. All right. Good luck All and right. happy Thanksgiving to you, too.
1: Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Let's go over to John in Arlington. John, good morning.
0: Good
6: morning. How are you? Oh, good. Doing good. Uh, I just had a question. I've been looking for a new vehicle. Okay. And I came across the uh, Saab. Or no, excuse me. The Subaru. Subaru? Subaru sedan and it comes with a all-wheel drive. Yep. And I was wondering, is that a lot better than front-wheel drive?
1: Yeah, I mean, when you when you put when you have something that's all-wheel drive, as soon as with Subaru especially, as soon as one of the tires starts to slip a little bit, one one of the rear tires is going to kick in and help keep the car under control. So okay. you know, you're not going to be plowing snow with it. No, no, <laughs> no. But as far as having a little bit of extra traction, and tires are still important, though you know, and and Subaru, the tires on Subarus are are kind of made for New England weather here, so they're they're pretty good. So, oh, okay. but um, you know, people people who live in people who live in New England, you know, I always joke that. Uh, you know New Hampshire Maine subarus the official state bird you know there's more subarus up there than i think anywhere and they are because they they, they do really well in the, in the in the bad weather so you know when cars were always rear wheel drive they weren't that good in the wintertime. You put snow tires and chains on, and then, they yep. had fr- and then they had front-wheel drive cars, and they were a little bit better because you had all the weight over the front tires. And then right. when you have all-wheel drive, you have all the weight over the front tires, but yet if it, it does start to slip and, and slide around a little bit, the rear tires kick in and provide a little extra traction. So all-wheel, all-wheel drive is just another step to, you know, Getting you moving and keeping you on the road. The one thing that you have to watch out for is, you know, whether it's all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive. Okay. You know, if you if you get going too fast and you got to jam on the brakes and the roads are slippery, it's going to stop like any other car. So.
4: Oh, okay. Yeah.
6: Okay. Well, thank you. I, I,
1: uh... Yeah. No, Subaru. Subaru. Uh, the 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 Subaru with uh, the Legacy sedan with all-wheel drive is. You know, a lot of people like their little wagons, the Outback and the Forester, but the little Legacy sedan's a nice little
6: car. I like, I liked it. I drove yep. the Legacy. I was very impressed with the Legacy. Yeah.
1: No, it's a nice little car. Thank you very much, John. All right. John. Take care Thank now. Bye bye. 617 770 3030. 617 770 3030 is our phone number and how you get through and talk to us about whatever's on your mind about cars. Let's talk to uh, Tom in Weymouth.
4: Dennis hates Hello? it when
1: he pushes the button and you hear the click.
4: Uh, Tom, oh, good morning. Uh, I'm here. Yeah, you too, John. John, I know you have always had Hyundais. Uh, my nephew purchased a brand-new Hyundai Elantra 2014. He just turned 200,000 miles on it. He puts a lot of miles on it. And the engine's noisy. Mm-hmm. You know, almost like in the old days when the, the uh, your top end wasn't adjusted to tap it. Through the engine, it's just very noisy. Any ideas with that? My, he said he went online and did some research. And he said some guy on there had a noisy engine, he tore it apart, and it had to do with the rods. Um, I would <laughs> I'm be <thinking> surprised at <laughs> that. Um, I know, it. that's why I'm calling you. Yeah. timing uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, chain on that metal or it
1: belt? It, no, it's a, it's a it's a chain. So, I mean, the first thing you got to try to determine is, you know, where the noise is coming from. You know, is it? You know, is it a chain that's you know? Is the chain has the chain started to stretch? Is it making noise? Is it coming from? Is it coming from that that part of the engine? Is it a? Uh, is it is yeah. it simply? Uh, you know, is it some wear and tear? Is there you know? Is there a valve lifter that started to wear and you know and mm. and and acted up a little bit? You know, is that is that a possibility? Um, the um, you know there is there. Uh, there is a valve adjustment depending on if it's a 1.8 or a two liter engine. one of them one of them is definitely one.8
4: yeah
1: yeah I mean it could be the Small. you know it could hmm. could be there's a, a valve adjustment that has just never been never been done but um, before we do that let's let's see uh, as far as there is a technical service bulletin Oh, yeah. about okay. a revised timing chain and it says this bulletin let changes in timing chain, and timing gear parts, certain Elantras coupes. it says 2014 to current model years uh, first productions date apparently there was some a different style chain and it says whenever timing chain or assembly requirement replacement, make sure you apply use the part right part number so in that one all it's saying is, you know, don't don't do a chain without the gears because apparently they they moved them around and then the other one and the only other one is the same technical bulletin that hyundai's been putting out forever about using aftermarket oil filters because hyundai requires that the oil doesn't drain out of the oil filter and a lot of aftermarket filters don't have don't have a um, the anti-drain back valve so but but as far as um you know as far as I don't. Some of it maybe it's got 200,000 miles on it.
4: Well, that's what I mean. That is it. I mean, there's no doubt. He had yeah. no issues until about 175,000 miles. That's all. And he's been driving it since. So he just said, I'll drive it and, and just see when it, it lets go or yeah. something. But I was just curious if there was anything. You know, the problem is 2014, that engine, it's really not that old, and it's rare to have that much mileage mm. on it, I would imagine. You know, it's... You know, he's only had a four and a half years. Yeah, it's a long
1: I mean, I off, mean, yeah, the other, th- you know, could it be a, a chain tensioner starting to act up? I guess, I guess it yeah,
4: could. Yeah, know. you know, could I be. I have to tell though. You know, you listen, and it's just a general, almost like like a diesel engine versus a nice quiet. Yeah. you know, just to hear, and it just—it's just, just noise. And you know? and
1: it's and it is—it is something that uh, it has been getting progressively louder, sort of thing, or
4: no, no, kind of. Seems to just stay at a certain point of just n- n- noisy. Like, I remember when I first heard it. I said, "Geez, your engine starting. To, you know, it sounds like your tap, your tappets all well. that are not there anymore." But that. And he said, "Yeah, I don't know." And that's why he did some research and some some g- had a noisy engine. And he said he tore it down and it had something to do with the connecting
1: rods the, or uh, something
4: you know yeah, i you know and that, well that's one of the things know. about the internet you that's know internet you'll find
1: <laughs> you'll find one of everything somewhere you know so yeah,
4: that's right you know yeah.
1: so you you know but, i mean there is you know there is you know can you can you you know these yeah. these are not these are not you know as as easy to adjust valve height and all that sort of stuff um uh but i don't i you know the other thing is uh you know these engines tend to be because of the in- fuel injection system tend to be a little bit noisy anyway. So. Right. Yeah. I, again, yeah. I think at no. two hundred at two hundred thousand miles, I'd keep Not driving. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I mean, Not complaining. i mean, fantastic, really. But it's just just something I didn't know if you had heard of something. No. So.
1: No. So. I haven't. I haven't heard of anything. It I know, mean, right? I, I I see these cars all the time with a couple hundred thousand miles on them, and people are still driving them, and. Not paying that much right. attention to him, I guess. So,
4: With the mileage he's putting on, and he says, if it that I'll have to get another new car. He drives it that much, and he was thinking a turbo. I, I said no. My opinion was, I think I wouldn't want a turbo if you're going to put hundreds of thousands of miles on it, because I think that would be another something to go wrong for you. What do you think today? I, you know, you know
1: it, years, back, years back when a turbocharged engine came out, The turbo had to run all the time because the engine was such a, you know, had such poor performance that you didn't get much out of it. Most of the time now with turbocharged engines, unless you have your foot really into it, the turbo's not really doing much. But is it an extra thing that's going to go wrong over? You know, over a hundred or two hundred thousand miles. Yeah, yeah. You can have bearings yeah. in the turbos go bad. Uh, oil cokes up the line that cools the cools the turbo off, and then the you know the the turbo stops working. Uh, if I was somebody who was putting you know hundreds mm-hmm. of thousands of miles on a car, I would go for simplicity.
4: Yes, that's that's what it was. Yeah. I said to yeah. him, just keep it simple. Yeah, yeah. You don't want a thousand, but I'll, I'll let you go, John. You All right, <laughs> thank right. you very much. All right, thanks, Tom. Bye bye. Nice to talk to you. Right. Bye bye.
1: 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Let's talk to Frank. Frank, good morning.
5: Morning, John Paul. How are you? I had a question on uh, my brother's truck got totaled, right? It's a Ford F-150 2013, yeah. and it's uh, got 26,000 miles on it. I'm trying to find out the fair market value will be the best place to to find out i called a dealership and got a price but i was wondering if that's the best place so. here,
1: here's here's what here's what i do I'd, I'd let the internet be your friend a little bit here right first off i'd go to uh kelly Blue Book, so kbb.com and i look up i right. look up uh uh the value of the vehicle and they're going to give you a couple different prices then I'd also go to websites like IC Cars and Car Gurus and look and see what similar vehicles are selling for. And then I also might go to NADA Guides, NADA Guides, G U I D E S. So now you got two book values and two sites where you got trucks for sale. And then kind of look at all the prices together and figure out okay, people are trying to get, you know, Ten thousand dollars for this truck. They're probably not going to get ten. They're going to get nine. You know, Kelly Blue Book has it at, you know, ninety-two hundred. NADA has it at ninety-five hundred. So somewhere in that range is probably a decent price. And then when he's arguing with his insurance company, which he may have to, when they offer him seven thousand dollars, you say to him, "Look, I don't know where you're getting this price from, but NADA has a price at this." Kelly Blue Book has the price at this. Car Gurus has five for sale. They're all about this price. IC Cars has five for sale. They're all about this price. We need to we need to we need to readdress this price a little bit and come up with uh, something that makes more sense.
5: All right. Yeah, because uh, it was a beautiful truck. It had all the bells and whistles. Yeah. So it was extended cab and four by four and all the other. Yeah. You
1: know, yeah. It was so. A nice view. Yeah, so and that's where sometimes they'll look, they'll look at the price real fast, and they'll just say, they'll just say, uh, oh, uh, yeah, we're going to give you this for it, and they don't they don't put in those other those other options. And I don't know, six or eight months ago, we had a guy on the show here, and he was from a uh, kind of an appraisal service, and he was talking about some of these companies that use the software that determines what the price is when a car gets totaled, automatically put in things like wear and tear, even though they haven't even seen the vehicle. He was talking about one vehicle that they depreciated the car like five hundred or six hundred dollars because of smoking in the car. And the person said, "I've never smoked in the car. What are you talking about?" And it says, and they in the report it says, "Oh, right here it says it was cigarette burns in the seat." And he's like, "There's no cigarette burns in the seat. You're out of your mind." And <laughs> and so, but they automatically start pushing buttons to let the computer determine the price. So if if he can come back to one say, "Look, I don't know where you're getting that price from, but NADA has it at this, uh, Kelly Blue Book has it at this." Edmonds is another site you can go to they have it at this and even what kind of makes that a little bit better here's some trucks for sale that are pretty close to mine you know and and look for ones that are not you know say say his truck had you know 50,000 miles on it find one that has 60 on it so and say here's one that even has a little bit more mileage on it and they're looking to get this for it. so um, so all of a sudden now you can say, well, your your price is off. You got to come up with a different price. And sometimes um, the person is kind of kind of a funny, somewhat sad story. The person that ended up buying my Hyundai was somebody I worked with, and I gave her I gave her a little bit of same kind of lesson, and she said, "Oh yeah, first they offered me five thousand. The car ended up getting totaled." And she said, first they offered me five thousand. I said to them, oh, I, I don't think that's right because here's some prices. And they came back and they, they bumped it up a thousand dollars without even without even a hesitation. And at six thousand dollars, she was happy because she only paid forty three hundred for it. So she actually made money, sort of. But uh, but was, yeah. yeah. So so I would I would I would go back and I would uh, I would go back and you know have, do all your homework ahead of time. That's the I guess that's the bottom line.
5: Well, now, uh, does the VIN number tell them what's in the vehicle, or is that not even worth talking about?
1: Um, it it gives you a little bit of information. Um, does he still have the truck, or is it off? Does the insurance company have it now?
5: Well, it's, uh, as far as I know, it's over at the dealer. Oh, okay. He bought it. Yep. It's still there, it, yep. unless they picked it up already. I had to get the... He had a, a gang box diamond plate in oh, yeah. the back, so I took that off for him, but... Uh, I'm thinking the truck might
0: still be there because yeah.
1: I just took. Off, well, uh, they're also they're profit. also on IC Cars website. They have something called a VIN check, and you can actually put in the vehicle identification number in there, and you and you hit submit, and what it will do is it'll give you an idea what the vehicles are selling for, and also any other information about the truck. So it's not it's not, it's a it's a pretty sophisticated thing that works pretty simple. So you can look you can look at that too. Okay.
5: Yeah. Now uh, he's an insurance agency. Is he should he directly just have the insurance agency talk to the insurance company or
1: not? No. I hate to say it, but a lot of times the agents just just slide it off to, to. Uh, you know, they just slide it off to the insurance company.
5: So he'd be better off just uh, talking to the insurance company about the claim.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
5: one other question, John, quickly. Okay. Uh, That valve on the uh, Ford's uh, for the I got a 2008 F-150, right? Uh, Now the valve on the oil filter is that that what that Teflon valve is all about? Is a back flow valve like or whatever.
1: Yeah, well it's a, it's a it's an anti drain back valve. So when you start it up if it keeps the oil from draining out of the oil filter and some some oil filters when the oil filter is sort of upside down and sideways if it doesn't have the anti drain back valve it will uh, it'll cause it'll cause the uh, oil to uh cause the oil to drain out. So it's almost like starting it up with not the engine dry but it'll it'll will maybe tap a second before it starts up. So it's always a good idea just use good quality filters. That's all. Okay. Hey, we got to get going. Yeah. All right. Take All care. Right. Yep. Bye bye. So, what are we doing, Mr. Producer?
2: So we've had this we've had this gentleman on the phone with us in the past, a guest, um, old friend of mine, Josh, Josh DeBerge. Um He is a wandering soul, and um, he's currently somewhere out. I don't even know where he is. But we have Josh with us on the line today, as per your request. You wanted to yeah. get an update from yeah. him, and so I reached out, and he's been gracious enough to help to join us today. So, Josh, where are you these days?
7: Hey, John. Hey, Dennis, I'm in uh, I'm in California. I'm in Southern California right now. Uh, me on.
1: And uh, and for people who don't
7: know, you you kind of you
1: kind of had an interesting life. You went from uh, you know uh, chrome and glass and all material things to uh, to uh, essentially living in a van.
7: Yeah, that's that's pretty that's a pretty good way of saying it. I uh I was living in uh Miami, Florida. Uh I had a pretty successful real estate uh investment and property management business. You know, uh, I had a waterfront condo and a Maserati and a watch collection and all that all that uh, materialistic stuff and um you know, uh just kind of one when it wasn't all all of a sudden, but uh, over over the period of uh, you know, a few months or a year I started realizing that uh after I had achieved all that stuff and proved to myself uh you know that I had gotten all these things I realized that they were you know kind of um not really what was important and I was wasting my time um you know and not seeing the world and traveling and stuff like that so I sold everything uh, I sold the watches the car the condo the business and uh, I built out a van and uh and um, hit the road, and it's been uh, it's been about almost two years now.
1: Well, let's talk about the van a little bit. Remind people what that's like. It is a um, it's a it's a Ram van, right?
7: Yeah, it's a 2015 Ram ProMaster cargo van, and it's the 159 inch uh, extended version, which is the biggest model they make. It's it's uh, uh, 3500. I don't know what the 3500 stands for, but uh, it and it's a diesel. Uh, Four cylinder diesel engine. And it's, um,
1: so when, you know, people probably see the TV shows like Tiny House. This is a, this is a
7: tiny, tiny house. Yeah, exactly. It's a tiny, tiny house. It's, uh, when I originally came up with the idea for this trip, I, I was looking at, uh, tiny houses and, uh, you know, obviously I was watching the shows as well. And that was kind of the catalyst. And then I realized quickly that, um, for what I wanted to do and the traveling that I wanted to do, a tiny house just wasn't going to be practical because, um, you, you have to make arrangements. Uh, I mean, it's basically like a, um, like a, like an RV or a trailer, mm. um, where you have to make arrangements where wherever you're going, um, to, you know, be ready for you and have, you know, have the, the space available for you, um, to park it because I mean, you just can't park a tiny house kind of anywhere. Um, So a lot of RV parks also don't allow um, tiny houses. And I didn't even want to be in, I didn't even want to be staying in RV parks. I wanted to just kind of, you know, pull into a parking lot and uh, or, you know, a turnout or a viewpoint or a, uh, you know, off, go off road and stuff like that. And just be able to, you know, sleep kind of, or, or camp wherever I want, wanted to. So, uh, after i realized that the tiny houses were going to be a little bit too big i kind of uh i found uh i guess what you would call the van life movement um back in uh, 2016 and i started uh you know doing some research and yeah and that's where i'm that's yeah. where i found uh, the van living
1: and and you're you know i've have seen some of your facebook and instagram pictures and you've had some you've had some uh uh pictures that you posted that are just phenomenal uh, you know at, at some point do you miss people though i mean these are these are wilderness photos and you know you see these canyons and waterfalls and fantastic places but do you you every once in a while find yourself going huh i wish there was somebody around
7: um n- when i'm out there uh n- not really no? uh <laughs> Um, there are people sometimes that I, you know, come across on the trail and those are typically um, people that I have a lot in common with, uh, now, you know, with the lifestyle that I live mm. now. Um, and, um, uh, you know, I, sometimes I do get the feeling, um, that, uh, it would be nice to have, you know, uh, you know, a girl with me. Um, yeah. and, uh, I, you know, I have, have met a girl in, in Denver and, um, you know, we've, we've spent some time uh, going uh, hiking and, and, and doing that, those kind of things and, she came with me for a little bit, yep. and um, so it, it is nice to have somebody with you. But my personality type is I, I am a loner, and yep. I um, and I I do like to be alone, so um, it it doesn't bother me too much. But um, there are a lot of people that do this as a couple, and uh, you know it 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 works great. Now, have you have you
1: found, have you gotten yourself in any um, scary situations either with either with scary people or You know, bears or lions or I don't know why. You know, coyotes or anything that have made you go. You know, I think I'm staying inside tonight.
7: Yeah, John, that's like one of the uh, that is one of the most common questions I get actually, and the answer is, as far as the van is concerned, I've never had um, a knock or any kind of break in the tent in the van um not not once in, in in 2 years um i'm pretty uh i'm pretty um cautious about where i park yeah. you know, i'm not going to park in a shady industrial neighborhood or something like that um but uh never had any bad experiences so far um i my I, as you know my van does look a little intimidating yeah in you a, you you look like
1: va- you look like you're about ready to escape the zombie apocalypse <laughs>
7: yeah yeah and uh that's basically i get that a lot it's like it was just ran straight out of uh that that show on on uh about the the zombies but yeah yeah so it it does look a little intimidating and i also uh i also bought a uh, support law enforcement license plate and i feel like that i don't know if if that uh it's like an affinity plate where you can pay extra a year to you know the money goes towards you know law enforcement and that i know that's I'm pretty sure that's gotten me out of some tickets. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think maybe when people, if maybe bad people see that license plate and they think better mm. to, to, uh, to, to, you know, mess with the van. Yeah. But as far as hiking, uh, if I, I did, uh, I did uh, have some close encounters this year with some animals. Uh, I was hiking um, with a friend uh, who had came out to visit me, He's a professional photographer and uh, he came out and stayed with me for a week, and just kind of slept on slept on my floor. And uh, we were in Glacier National Park, and we were we went out to hike uh, to this glacier. And on our way back, there was a, gri- a huge grizzly bear. I think I posted a picture of it. I'm not sure, um, but uh, if not, I'll, I will soon. But there was a huge grizzly bear right in the middle of the trail, about 15 feet in mm-hmm. front of us, and uh, we didn't realize it until we like looked up and. And so we kind of backed away from him uh, slowly, but he didn't, really, he didn't really see us or he didn't really uh, he didn't seem like he was too interested in us. He was more interested in whatever he was digging for. And, um, and then he did look up, and, but we, at that point we had gotten far enough away, to like 50 feet or, you know, a little bit more than that. And he, he actually started walking towards us. But at a you know kind of a slow, uninterested pace, and then, um, and then uh, we you know we got out our bear spray, and uh, and then but he was he was very nonchalant, and casual. He didn't have any. It wasn't very threatening. And then after you know ten minutes, he kind of walked uh, down slope um, off the trail, looking for more berries or whatever he was looking for. Grubs or whatnot, and um, and we kind of made our uh, we c- we kind of kept an eye on him. He was probably about twenty feet off the trail, twenty five feet mm. off the trail, and he was downhill. He was downhill from us, so, so he couldn't. It was going to be you know harder for him to to get up at us. And then you know we kind of walked slowly, you know, holding our bears where we pointed in his direction, and uh, you know it was, that that was pretty much. And as far as anything else, not, not really, um, I hiked the John Muir Trail this, uh, this in September, and that was uh, almost two, almost three weeks of uh, just straight hiking, uh, no people, no cars, no buildings. It was just straight wilderness hike, uh, and I didn't see any uh, predatory animals. Um, it, was, uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful time. Um it was one of my goals in life to to do that trail and uh goals of the trip and um it goes it goes from Yosemite National park all the way down to Mount Whitney in uh, Sequoia national parks and it's a two hundred and twenty mile trail and uh so two hundred and twenty miles in the high Sierras so I didn't see any predatory animals mm. and
1: and so you and to- your so I- your travels just don't take you out in Kind of beautiful, sixty-five degree weather. You're, you you uh, you go to places that uh, that have snow cover and uh, and can get. To, I mean, even though uh, you know snow, you know snow-covered mountains with the sun is beautiful. It can be a little bit. It can be a little bit inhospitable, in, inhospitable too, right?
7: Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a great point. Um, a lot of people. That the question you asked me right before this one is. You know, did you run into any kind of sketchy situations? And my answer is, you know, kind of what I told you. But but most people don't realize is um, it's it's usually not an animal that's gonna that's gonna get you. It's it's gonna be the weather and unpreparedness. So mm. um, that's one thing I learned, uh, you know, pretty quickly because uh, I I wasn't really exposed to the outdoors as a, as a kid. You know, I grew up in Medford, and uh, you know, it's not really. You know, it's not really the um, the, the, the wilderness out there. Yeah, so, yeah. I uh, wouldn't call I wouldn't world. call Medford
1: wilderness. Yeah. So.
7: <laughs> no, there's yeah, there's, there's some, uh, there's, some, uh, there's, some uh, there's some woods there, but it's not very much. It's like a, a yeah. little park, but um, but yeah, it's it's uh, so I I kind of learned on the fly and mm. um, and so uh, a lot of a lot of people don't you know read the weather reports but sometimes if they're going on a hike or even like a, even an overnight um, you know trip and um, you, you know that's that's probably what gets most most more people than any any animal yeah no i i mean that's animals what you always hear really have a, yeah animals don't typically want to have anything to do with humans yeah. they're they're typically staying away from us yeah well
1: so that's well that's good that's good um the um you know ha, you know I know I know you're you're as you have embraced kind of the minimalist lifestyle and kind of changed your ways have uh, in because your lifestyle prior to this was about generating capital have you ever thought that there might be a way to try to monetize what you're doing and try to
7: make something more out of it yeah that's a, that's a great question too i i
4: um
7: so the I, I i know that there probably is um but and and maybe one day i will um i'll kind of get uh get kind of uh serious about doing that but um the one the one thing that i wanted to do on this trip was to kind of get away from that whole mindset, um, that I, that I was before, you know, which was, you know, accumulate money and spend money. And, and I just wanted to focus on myself and, um, and growing personally and, um, and getting in touch, you know, getting connected with nature and, um, and kind of staying off my phone. And Mm -hmm. that was like a big problem for me when I lived in Miami, you know, I was, I was on my phone a lot and, um, and always, you know, looking for deals and, you know, making money and stuff like that. So I I wanted to purposely kind of not try to to do that Um, uh, with the exception of, you know, I I do enjoy, I've been teaching myself photography and, you know, using the phone a lot for for photography Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and uh, capturing some moments and videos and stuff like that. But um, I've really tried to, um, stay off the phone as much as possible, and you know it's it's hard. Uh, you know it, it's hard, but uh, um, I think I've been pretty good about that. And um, and uh, I think you know eventually, there there will be uh, you know maybe I, maybe a book or uh, a, a photography collection or something, or even you know like a uh, a website or mm. a blog. Or a I have a website and a blog, but I'm not I'm not too aggressive. Yep. Um, with uh, building it at, at the moment.
1: Hmm. No, it it's, you know, it sounds like you have a very, a very interesting life. One last question before I let you go. Uh, I noticed on your Facebook page, uh, it says you're a vegan. Did you become a vegan after you headed out this way or were you a vegan when you were living in Miami?
7: Uh, that's, that's a great question. I feel like this year is like the year of the vegan with all these documentaries yeah. and, um... Uh, and and uh, people that uh, famous athletes and uh, people that are becoming vegan, but actually I've been vegan for uh, over twelve years off and on um, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm really happy that everybody's um, kind of catching on to this and, and if anybody ever needs any kind of help or um, uh, information, don't hesitate to email me or message me on Instagram. I'd be happy to help. Um, you know, cause it is hard when you first become a vegan, making sure you're getting the you know, the right amounts of protein mm. and, and stuff like that. But, but, um, but, uh, it, it's, it's been a great, uh, it's been a great experience for me personally. Um, I've, I feel way better now, you know, at, you know, 39 than I did when I was, you know, 25, mm. you know, not being vegan. And, um, and uh, you know, I, I initially went, uh, you know, vegan or plant-based for for my health uh, because I, I had done all the research that you're kind of seeing in all these mm-hmm. documentaries now. I, I did all that back then, and um, and uh, there's obviously other benefits now we see with the environment and um, and you know animal rights and stuff like that. But uh, but uh, yeah, it's I uh, I was living in Los Angeles so before before Miami so that and that's when I became a vegan. And you know everybody in everybody in California is uh, you know into that lifestyle yeah. already. Yeah. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. My my limited mm-hmm. experience in L.A. has kind of told me that as well. So yeah. No. It sounds. Well, re- go ahead.
7: Well, I would recommend anybody to at least you know try it for a month. You know, it's not like you're gonna, you know, and it's not like really, you know anything bad's gonna happen. You know, try and try it for a month and see how it feels. Yeah. You know, start slowly. The the vegan products that they have now are uh, far and away better than um, than uh, the ones that they had when I was when I became yeah. a vegan twelve years ago, and uh, they've really kind of um, nailed it as far as you know taste and um, and uh, texture and all that stuff. And
4: uh,
7: I, I don't even honestly, I, people ask me if I meet if I miss meat or cheese and all that stuff. Honestly, I. I don't miss it at all. It kind of grosses it, after you stopped eating it for like six months or or, or less. Hmm. It started kind of starts to gross you out. And, um, I don't remember what, it, I honestly don't remember what real meat or real cheese even tastes like. So for me, like meat and cheese is basically the, 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 uh, the, the fake versions. Yeah. The, yeah. No, it, right it,
1: it is interesting because I was talking to somebody who is a vegan and they, um, uh, they noticed when they're eating corn now they don't put butter or sugar on it because it's so flavorful and they were convinced that it was it was sort of meat and cheese and other products that actually sort of ruined their ability to taste what natural foods tasted like
7: yeah that's a really that's that's dead on that's a really uh, great point you know you know um... Yeah, you know, we could we we could we could get into that for a long time mm. and uh and i could tell you all kinds of stories but uh but a hundred percent it um that's a really really good point it uh, definitely um you know for for me dairy is like you know one of the one of the you know it's really really bad for you and mm. um and it does it does kind of uh Hide the taste of a lot of these. If you're getting like you know really good fruits, fruits and vegetables, uh, they taste amazing. Yeah. You know? No, no. It, you, it does you're, kind of dull the.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. You get you get those uh, little tomatoes. It's like eating candy. It's uh, it's amazing. Yeah, exactly. Hey, hey, well, thank you for taking a little time out of your uh, out of your trek. And I don't know, some someday someday I expect to see like a discovery special about you or something. So.
7: Well, thanks for having me. I love—I always love talking to you guys. And um, happy holidays. I hope Thanksgiving was great, and I hope you guys have a happy holidays. And um, and uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah.
1: yeah, and if people want to follow you on Instagram, what's your Instagram?
7: Uh, my Instagram is the dot boondocker, so it's the boondocker, but with a dot in between the two yep. words. And my my blog is theboondocker.com
1: Josh, always a pleasure. Thanks, and uh, still be careful out there, though. All right, I love you. All right, Thanks, take Dan. care. Thanks, Dennis. Yep, bye-bye. bye-bye. We need to take another break. Pay some bills. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. If you're on hold, stay right there. If you would like to join us, well, we don't have much time left. We'll be right back.
7: Out to my old 55
0: as I slow <laughs>
1: And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program. Let's go real quick to John who's been very patient and been on hold for a long time. John, good morning. John.
0: John. Hey John Paul. How you doing? Good, how are you? Yeah, hanging in there, hanging in there. I just have one question. I have a sef- two thousand seventeen um infinity QX 70
7: Mm-hmm.
0: And and when I first bought it, they said they're looking at they, they said they um, They're supposed to put a synthetic oil in it or or, or a synthetic blend. Yep. And when I went in for my last oil change, or the last two, I think they're only putting regular oil in it because they only charged me $25 for the oil change and the oil filter with a discount. Hmm. That does sound... So I'm wondering... uh, Did did it it say on the the slip what kind of oil it was? It it really costs for the synthetic oil change. Yeah, I mean, synthetic oil is, you know...
1: Four or five bucks a quart. What 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 what, uh, what model was this? Did you say it was?
0: QX. Uh, the QX seventy.
1: Seventy, yeah. So, um, and is it the six cylinder, eight cylinder engine? Six yeah. cylinder. Six cylinder, yeah.
0: So yeah, yeah. I mean that you know
1: that engine, you know, as far as as far as what should be in there for oil, um, you know, I would I would expect it to. Um, I would expect it to be a synthetic blend, but I, and synthetic blend isn't that expensive. So, um, right. you know, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think you'd be, I think you'd be fine with any one, but, uh, as far as, you know, what, what belongs in there, it's, uh, important that it's, a uh, you know, five W30 and, uh. And, right. you know, Nissan says they recommend their own, but as long as it's API certified, as far as an actual, you know, synthetic or synthetic blend, it doesn't, it doesn't appear as if they really care.
0: Right. So, but, you know, how, how so, so if I wanted to go with the full synthetic, I wouldn't have a problem
1: doing that. Right? Oh, no, no. Full synthetics, just oil that's a little bit more refined and a little bit more even and a little bit, a little bit, uh, to me, just pumps up sooner. Uh, runs yeah. a little cooler. Just a, just it's a little bit better quality oil all the way around.
0: Right. So, what would that cost normally if I have an oil change? Trans- you know, you're, pro- you're probably that. in, you're probably in
1: the, you know, without a, without a coupon or something, you're probably in the
0: seventy dollar range. Okay. All yeah. right. So next time I go in, I'll, 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 I'll talk to the. the yeah. See, see, with, the see, what the, see,
1: what the, see so. what the options are.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. I thank right. thanks for taking the time, John. All right. Okay. Sure thing.
1: And just to clarify John's question from a minute ago, I did a little bit of research during the break, and Nissan uses something called ester oil, which is a semi-synthetic oil. So um, even though in their own uh, in their own service information, it says they recommend, not require, recommend ester oil, which is just a different type of oil, so... Um, and it's uh, and Nissan's still uh, sticking with 5W30s, so, which is kind of interesting. Hey, look, it's Sully over there in the corner. Sorry, sorry, my, sorry my, we're in the corner. My we doctor recommends chairs. castor oil, so that's pretty yeah, if, you, if, you, if your car can run on WD-40, you know, you can do that, too.
0: My grandfather used to, um, now, again, he's been dead for a long time, but he used to say, he used to maintain that, uh, you know, your body was a machine and you had to oil it up. So he'd literally eat butter to do that. I don't yeah. think that was the it, wisest it, move.
1: And he lived to be 41?
0: No, actually, let's see. He didn't carry the three. He was 72 and now oh, 82 well,
1: maybe. Well, yeah, well yeah. good. I'm going to start eating some butter.
0: Well, you know, uh, they, they say that now that it's not the the, you know, the butter or the meat. that's the sugar. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe, I, I don't, maybe don't he's before his time. I don't either. But
1: I bet, because this is... Thanksgiving has gone by. Yeah. Are we going to hear some Christmas music on the Irish Ship Parade?
0: Of course. Yeah. Gotta, all
1: right.
0: All right. I got, uh, right. I got stacks we, of wax
1: over here. Yeah. All right. All right. We get where's the stacks? Where what? Where are they? I yeah,
0: got. Um, yeah. You got them all squished. Uh, Glee with MP3. Yeah. You got you know, yeah, yeah.
1: You got them all squished down there. <laughs> hey, we got to go. The uh, the piano guy's playing. The Irish Ship Parade's coming up. Merry Christmas, everyone. Irish music coming up next. You know, it's it's uh, a whole lineup. It's Paul Sullivan. Matt, Billy, John, Seamus. Busy weekend around here for the Irish music. Hey, until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.
0: These are the songs you love so well. I know that because it's been my privilege to